This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast. This is your host, Jordan Owandi. Uh, today is very special, like every fucking episode I do. Um, I have a special guest today. She is one of the best, and when I say the best, I mean the best, jewelry designers <laughs> I have ever seen. <laughs> Uh, she designs rings, earrings. I mean, do you do necklaces? I do necklaces. You do you do ne- necklaces? I do bracelets. Bracelets. Brooches. Whatever you want. What the fuck? Is, I don't know what a brooch is. What is a brooch? <laughs> it's like a pin. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, she does all of that, and um, I must say, her rings look nice. Um, I mean, I'll probably have to get a loan or something to buy one of them, but. <laughs> You pay with what you get. Uh, but joining me today is an artist, uh, Aaron. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Move the, move the mic like close to you. Like that? Not close to your mouth. Like that? Yeah, something like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so welcome. How, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I just finished up shipping some orders. and uh, Yeah, I didn't realize how close we were to each other. I kind of wish I rode my bike. How close so are nice we? Out. Um, less than a mile. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, uh, your place is, do you work out of your place? Yeah. I have a live workspace that I moved into in November and a friend of mine who is also a jeweler lived there for a really long time before me. So I got, I got pretty lucky. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Do you like having a live workspace? Yeah. I mean, right now I do. Does it, get the, anno- does, does it get annoying? I mean, does your space where like people go in and like purchase stuff? I don't have the only time I let people into my space is like for a private appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's usually for custom people who are like getting engagement rings or wedding rings. Um, but other than that, I don't really like let people come in all the time just because there's like you know all my materials and stuff around. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So you make engagement rings? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had someone uh, bring a, a ring back say, oh, yeah, sh- this shit didn't work out? Not for my business, but before I started my business, I worked for another jeweler for three years um, who has a store in Old Oakland called Crown Nine. Mm-hmm. And so I was her production manager, and so we made a lot of engagement rings and there was definitely a handful of dudes who would come back and say it didn't work out and ask for a refund and they got refunds Mm-mm. no Mm-mm. when you buy an engagement ring is that something that you have to say like oh, i want a refund in case she says no i mean i hope that people don't have to say that <laughs> <laughs> has anyone ever proposed to you what's that has anyone ever proposed to no. you oh. okay all right so what is your uh how long have you been doing uh jewelry 
I've been doing jewelry like seriously um, as a metalsmith for like four and a half, going on five years. So that's what you guys are called, metalsmiths? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do like fabrication, um, which means like soldering uh-huh. um, or sawing or filing. So like fabrication is like if I start out with like silver and gold wire or sheet mm. or tubing and I'm manipulating that to make a piece and then casting and wax carving is like you start out with a block of wax and you carve a ring out of it using files and other tools. Mm. Um, so those are kind of like the two main facets of like jewelry make of serious jewelry making. So when you carve the ring out of what uh, wax, what do you do with, with, with the, do you just dip it in metal? No. So you, so you cast it, but a lot of jewelers like me outsource to another caster. So like I have, a friend who does casting up in Sonoma County. So I send my waxes to her and she basically does this whole process called lost wax casting Mm -hmm. that she's kind of an alchemist, really. She just turns the wax into metal by using like a casting process, using like a plaster mold and like centrifugal force um, in like what's called a centrifuge. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's a really expensive like part of jewelry making to get into which is why i just outsource it to someone else so the definition of casting in the jewelry world is basically turning wax to metal yeah Mm -hmm. that's interesting um how come you haven't uh dabbled in that wouldn't that save you money um it would and it wouldn't it would i would need a lot of money to start and i'm already doing this on a pretty like shoestring budget to get started so I would need like another 15 grand just for the equipment and a lot, a lot of practice. Um, yeah. Did you have to go to school for this? Yeah. What school did you go to? I went to, um, I went to a school called Sterling Quest. It's in San Miguel de Allende in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was there before I made jewelry. I worked at a, I apprenticed as a woodworker at a custom furniture company in uh, Novato. And I was there for like a year and a half and decided it wasn't really my bag. But I really enjoyed working with the guys who worked with steel and uh, metal there. And so I kind of got interested in jewelry because of that. I quit. And then a couple weeks later, I was working on my friend's farm and I met someone, or I met someone that I knew from like years ago, crossed paths with, who told me about this school in Mexico and said that they had a friend that had gone there and spent six months there and that it was a hole in the wall and the teacher was like this Canadian mm-hmm. expat biker dude with like a beer belly and like two teeth and was really funny. And was he a great teacher? He was a fucking awesome teacher. Can I curse? he was a fucking awesome teacher he was super crazy and super gnarly uh but i learned so much from this dude and was the school uh purposely for jewelry megan yeah yeah silversmithing Mm. yeah all fabrication so i when i went i had just like a little bit of money saved up and i like kind of wanted to i was like 23 or toward 24 no 25 I was 25 I had like a little bit of money saved up from my previous job and I didn't really know what I was doing I didn't go to college 
So I've just kind of, I've always been creative and I used to be into photography, mm. but I didn't have like a ton of direction. So I just knew I wanted to travel and that sounded like an interesting way, purposeful way to travel. So I went for a month and a half and then, um, after a month and a half, I decided I wanted to come back and stay and possibly just live in Mexico for a long time. And so mm. I went back and stayed for another four months. And yeah, that was it. So you were in Mexico for four months total? I was in Mexico for five, uh, a little over five months total. So how was it like living in Mexico? Uh, different. I really loved it. San Miguel is definitely like an expat town. So there's like a lot of gentrification there in like a very different way than we see and like hear about here in the Bay. Uh -huh. um, so there's like a lot of Americans that retire. I didn't really know this before I went there, but there's like a lot of Americans that retire and Canadians that retire to San Miguel and they live there because it's more affordable and they can have a maid and eat expensive food and yeah. like do this all, you know, have like a more lavish lifestyle in retirement. Um, and yeah, so it was definitely interesting to like bear witness to that. Um, Mexican people are amazing. I love Mexican people. I love Mexican culture. I love the language. Um, yeah, the food is the number one. The food. food ever. The food. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the food was amazing. I went to Mexico City a lot while I was there. You didn't just get, like almost get kidnapped or anything. <laughs> no, I, heard, I got my I wallet that, stolen a couple I heard times. That's what they do in Mexico City. It's like the number one place for kidnappings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I definitely had some, you know, some run-ins with being, you know, scared. But uh, yeah, but I made it. I made it out. I'm here to to be on the podcast today so <laughs> <laughs> so you went to that school uh was it expensive no no mm -mm. i mean compared to other schools in the states it was like a fraction of the price was it a sh like full of like americans and shit it was full of people from all over the world there was um like in my it would be people coming in and out um for different periods of time so there was like, I had a friend from Venezuela, a friend from Guatemala, a friend from Korea, a couple girls from New York, uh -huh. um, a girl from Russia, just like everywhere. I mean, people come like, it's a really tiny, weird school that's mostly only known about through word of mouth. But I mean, people travel from everywhere to go there. You still keep in contact with these people? Yeah. Yeah. Are they mm -hmm. all, do they all have their own businesses? Um, one of them, my friend from Venezuela, she is a gemologist for a really big, uh, like really big commercial jewelry designer in New York. Zales? No. Um, oh God, I'm like forgetting the, not Zales, but like the like super nice luxury version of Zales. Oh damn. Um, yeah. So she's, she doesn't have her own diamonds. business. What's that? Bunch of blood diamonds. Probably, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to shout them out, though. <laughs> uh, so you, when did you finish the school? Um, I finished in 2016. 2016. Mm -hmm. And then you came back to the States? Yeah, I came back because when I was in Mexico, I um, 
was on Insta. Just I just had like a personal Instagram. It was like not nothing for my business. I posted random. Mm-hmm. I had no like inkling that I wanted or could do it full time as a serious business. I was just kind of having fun and mm-hmm. you know expressing myself. But I so I posted something on Instagram and I put the hashtag San Miguel de Allende on it. And this girl named Soleil Daryl, um, who was this jewelry designer that I followed and thought was super fucking cool. She DM'd me and was like, Hey, you're from Oakland and you're going to Sterling Quest. Like, that's so crazy. I'm from Oakland and I went there like two years ago. Mm-hmm. So we should grab a beer when you're back. So w- there was like a month period of time that I came back, like in between the months that I was in Mexico to stack up a little cash so I could go back for classes. And I met her and we like became homies and she, um, a few months later she messaged me and was like, I'm quitting my job and I'm moving to Canada. And she was working for this jeweler in downtown Oakland, um, named Kate Allen as a production assistant. Mm -hmm. And so when she said that, she was like, you have to apply for my job when I leave. And I was, she wanted you to take her old. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was kind of like scared too, because it was like a really serious job as like a goldsmith and like working, making engagement rings. And like, that was just not the level of stuff I was doing in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I kind of like referred a couple other friends from my school to apply actually. And then they were like, dude, you didn't have confidence in yourself. I did not have confidence in myself. And I, I I know, but I just wanted, I was like at the time I was like, I just kind of want to live in Mexico. And Mm -hmm. like, I had figured out my little system of how I could do it. Yeah. And, um, but then I realized like, what am I doing? I need to apply for this job. It's in front of me. And so I applied, I got it. I like. So the people that you told to apply, none of them, uh, did any of them apply? No, they they told me to. They told me I should. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So you applied and then you got it. Yeah, I like interviewed via like Skype from Mexico, like with the owner and Mm -hmm. like somehow she decided to take me on with like zero experience. And how long were you at that job for? I was there for three years. Okay. So what made you quit? Uh, Wanting to start my own business. And what was like the turning point where you like, you just wake up one morning and be like, you know what? I just want to. I, my boss. Kate, she was my mentor, very much so my mentor. And she was super encouraging and like saw it in me that I had it in me to start and run a business. Mm. And um, yeah, so I took a business planning class that I finished a year before I actually quit. And um, I took this business planning class at the Renaissance Center in San Francisco. And um yeah, made a plan to like kind of crunch a bunch of numbers and like see if I could do it. Mm-hmm. And there just came a point when I was working at Crown Nine that I was like, I think it's the time. And um, yeah, so I just gave her my notice and, you know, she sent me off with well wishes and here I am. That was actually like exactly a year ago, two days ago. Wow. So the pattern that I'm hearing now is. Your friend had to push you. <laughs> your friend had to push you to apply for her old job. And then your boss had to push you to start your own business. Uh, do you need uh, 
like a push <laughs> do you need like a push to uh, accomplish something or? you know i think that i didn't so much need a, the push to start my business um i think that the support really helped me figure out how i could do it realistically mm-hmm. and not just be like quitting my job and flying by the seat of my pants but i mean i think once i was able to see her business and how it ran and help her run it I realized like, oh, this is, it took the mystery out of like owning a business. And I was like, oh, okay, like this is what you need to do. And like all the numbers and the QuickBooks and the math, like always was such a mystery to me of like how people do in the licensing and the permitting. And then, but once it was like, okay, I now I have access to all of these vendors Mm -hmm. who like supply recycled stones and recycled metal. And like, I know how to make an engagement ring. Uh I know how to work with people. So then it was kind of like, I can make a lot more money doing this for myself than for someone else. So when you quit, what was the first thing that you did to start your business? Um, The first thing I did, well, I kind of had already started. Like I was, uh, like I had it as a side business for a couple years before I went full time. Okay. But, um, so like I already had like an Instagram and a website and like, I, when I quit, I didn't have any of my like licenses yet, like my business license. I only had a seller's permit, mm. um, and I needed a business license to Are those access. things hard to get? Um, not really, no. No. They're, they can be a little costly, like the whole process of getting all the licenses and permits that I needed probably cost me like under 300 bucks. Did you need, uh, is there a certain... Is there a different criteria for what you do as far as getting a business license as into someone who wanted to sell clothes or food or anything? Um, it falls under when you're actually applying for the license, it falls under a different category. Mm-hmm. And I, the only difference I would say was because of my live workspace and because I use like gas and flame, okay. there, I had to have like a special permit for that. Oh, so you make the jewelry in your mm-hmm. in your place with yeah. gas and flame? Yeah, it's like my tank is like twenty feet from my bed. <laughs> is, <laughs> does that uh, bring up issues as into like uh, people who also live in the building? Like, do you have to tell your landlord, "Oh, I'm I'm using gas. Like, I might burn down this motherfucking building." Well, I live in a space similar to this. It's all brick, and the owner is actually a blacksmith himself, and like works in the building. So there's like a lot of it's all live work where artists live in. Uh-huh. So he's like totally aware and cool. That's why I was really lucky to get that space was because he's an artist himself. And but maybe. if he wasn't cool, would that be a problem? Maybe. Mm. Yeah. If I was doing it from home, yes, I mm. wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been able to be honest probably with like the state about where I was operating it out of or mm. what I was doing, you know? Okay. So you created this business. Um, you have a huge following. Uh, I don't know about huge. <laughs> um, it's bigger than mine. So. Um, so you have a following. Um, so what is the hardest? Like when you when you create a a piece, do you just like think of something to draw and then create a piece, or do like people call you and be like, "Yo, I need something like this." Both. I have like two 
kind of like facets of my business. One is my jewelry line that I spent like a few months last year after I quit designing. And then um, the other is custom. So that's like custom bridal usually Um, or like people coming to me who like have stones from like their grandmother's ring that they want to reuse into something else. Mm. Um, So sometimes, I mean, the custom's fun because it's always something different, but I'm like kind of tired of like making everything for my line right now. And I'm like ready to make some new stuff. Honestly, where do you get the gold from (laughs) the gold? Yeah. Um, well, so my caster supplies my gold. It's all recycled for my cast pieces for everything else. What is, what what is recycled gold? Is it recycled gold? Just like, Oh, I'm making a ring. I have this leftover little piece of gold and then they just melt all the leftover pieces. Yeah, pretty Uh, much. But on a bigger scale, like there's gold suppliers, like a few major gold suppliers in the States that supply, um, the whole supply chain, like casters or, um, like jewelry supply stores, like Rio Grande and New Mexico. mm -hmm. So it's all recycled. Yeah. From like, I mean, the same with like recycled diamonds. Like if a Zales shuts down, then like they liquidate all that jewelry into material and they just melt it down. And Damn. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Can you tell real gold from pay gold? With a testing kit. <laughs> <laughs> what does a testing kit do? A testing kit, it's like, I actually don't have one. I really need to get one. Um, but it's like, um, there's like a stone uh-huh. And um, I've only seen other people do it. And then there's like different acids that you rub onto the stone and then you rub the piece of metal onto the stone and that acid will tell you mm-hmm. like the color that shows up on the stone or something. This is like probably totally not fully accurate for any jewelers that are listening to this. But <laughs> like, there, yeah, it involves stone and acid and yeah. So we can <laughs> we can say right now that Aaron... Uses all real gold. I use all real. It's all okay. real. Okay. You're on record <laughs> saying that. All right. <laughs> all right. So when was the first time that you realized, or yeah, when was the first time that you realized, you know what, I can actually live off of of this and I don't need a second job or anything? I mean, to when be. did you realize that? I mean, to be real with you, I have yet to realize that because I still have side gigs. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Drive for lift or something? No, no, no. I um, I work at, uh, well, I've done a couple things. I'm like, sometimes I work as an independent contractor for other jewelers who uh, need like production work. That's like super, super part-time. And then one day a week I work at the farmer's market for my friend's farm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like I like, for some reason, I feel safer to have, even though it's not a ton of money that's bringing in, mm-hmm. it's nice to just have some other like irons in the fire right now. Mm-hmm. Cause you never know. And I'm glad I do right now because, you know, all my events were canceled and all the stores that carry me are closed. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I realized that I could, that I could do it like in a pretty, like, feasible amount of time like when i was quitting my job yeah yeah have you ever worked at a uh, treasure fest or like brought your shit to treasure fest what's treasure fest you don't know what treasure fest is no <laughs> <laughs> wow i thought everybody knew about that shit no treasure- it's like fucking um it, it's like you know treasure island right mm-hmm. so it's 
it's a festival last a weekend and it's like basically people like you who do independent like oh, shit. Oh, it's like a sell. flea market. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've seen that. I've never sold at it before. It's like the place to be. And it's, I think it's like every fucking Sunday. Yeah. During the summer. But I mean, obviously shit is closed down now, but yeah, there's this guy there. I have been there. There's like this guy from Molly who, um, he sells all these really cool glass beads. Like whenever I go, I always go to see him to, to check out his jewelry beads. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've never sold there. I sell at some outdoor markets, but it's kind of hard, like selling like really expensive things that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The shit is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been to Treasure Fest like four times and I literally only bought like one thing. That, yeah. Out of all four times. It was a ring, but I mean, it was a ring that I just needed to have. Yeah. That's how yeah. it works. Yeah. Jewelry is uh, expensive. How do you come up with like the, if you were like to make a ring, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I looked on your Instagram, I saw a ring that I like mm-hmm. and it, it looks, it's like a ring, but it's gold and mm-hmm. it looks like a, um, it's like a flat shape. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like a signet? About? Yeah, it's like a. It looks like a square, but like an like a dirty square, like yeah. an off with round edges. Yeah, yeah, and it's for flat, sure. like it's like like it got yeah. pressed. Signet. Yeah. How do you come up? Like, let's say I wanted that. Mm-hmm. Do you have an inventory of like full of different sizes or what? Yeah, so I do keep some inventory, um, but I it's too expensive for me to have like one in every size, so I make a lot to order. So if um, I wanted one, you will have to make it to order. Yeah. Well, okay. maybe. I have a lot of those signets, you know, in stock right now. So if you really want one, we can talk later. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, do you think you uh, you have one to fit? What 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 finger should that ring go on? Do you think a signet? Yeah. I mean, anyone you want, really. Whichever one feels good and looks good when you try it on. Do you do you have one? No, man, I don't want to flip you off. Do you, do you have one that will fit this? this yeah, finger? I think so. Probably. Okay. Yeah, we talk. About, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> And you have a sale going on right now, right? I have a sale going on. Is the yeah. signet on sale? The signet is so on sale. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so you are are you originally from the Bay Area? No, I moved here ten years ago. From Southern California. Where in Southern California? I'm from um, the Inland Empire, so like outside of LA, mm-hmm. like Riverside County and San Bernardino County. Okay. Um, I lived a few different places in yeah the in the Inland Empire growing up. When did you leave Southern California? I left when I was 19. I like graduated high school and then I went to community college for a year in Orange County and lived down there. Um, and then I had a few friends that had like kind of left and made their way up here and i found myself visiting them a lot when Mm -hmm. i was like 18 and 19 and then i just decided to like move here because i wasn't really i didn't have much direction and i liked it so yeah you like uh northern california better than southern california you know i do but i still have a lot of family in la and like I used to hate on LA, but I think it's just because I'm like from around there. Mm. And now when I go back, I'm kind of like, I can kind of see myself living there again, but. Oh yeah, I would never live in LA. No. <laughs> it's totally two different vibes. From it is. Southern and Northern. I it, mean, LA yeah. is a good place to visit and like party, but I wouldn't, I mean, me personally, I wouldn't live there unless I was like rich. Yeah. Cause when you're rich, you can, you can, that's when you can really enjoy what LA has to offer. I feel like the same me. is for here too, though, because no, everything here, is. Like, uh, people here are 
everyone's not broke, but everyone is struggling and like yeah. hustling and shit. And you don't have to have money to like party and shit out here. Yeah. Like you go to these dive bars, you're getting beer for like $3. Yeah. You know but you saying? can do that in LA too. You good? Yes. You probably could at one or two spots, but like no. out here, everywhere. I swear. I swear. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it took me a while to realize that though. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh shit, there's actually like some cool pockets in LA that are like not too far from like what the culture feels like here, mm. you know? But that being said, like I, you know, when I was like 23, I, in 2013, I like thought that I didn't want to live in the Bay anymore. And I like drove around the country for five months thinking I was just going to like stay somewhere. Mm. And like, I ended up coming right back here. So I definitely, where did you go? I went a lot of places. (laughs) (laughs) I went the route that I went was, um, I started in California, uh, drove South, like to LA, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, New York. Damn. Uh, driving? Driving by, by myself. By yourself? By myself. Wow. Yeah. You was in a Subaru? No, I was in a Volvo oh, well, station wagon. Bag, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I went to Detroit. Um, Detroit was super cool. Were you, then, how long were you staying in each spot? Um, the whole road trip was like just under five months. So it was all different. Like I didn't really like, it, I didn't like have like a structured like plan laid out ahead of me. I was Seems just like, like I mean, not then. No, I was just like, okay, I'm going to get in my car and like see where I was like living a much more like nomadic transient lifestyle. Back yeah. Then. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I stayed in Montana for like a month and a half. I stayed with family friends there and worked Where at their I, restaurant. Was it in Butte? No, it was in Whitefish. Whitefish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Montana has all these crazy ass names of towns. Towns. And shit. I know. I have a good friend in Butte, Montana, and I wanted to visit her, and she was like, "You would totally not like." Butte. <laughs> <laughs> Montana is so beautiful, but there, it is also so weird. <laughs> yeah, it seems like. It seems like. She's kind of weird, but she's cool. <laughs> Shout out to Kari. Shout out Kari. Hey, Kari. <laughs> uh, so you were driving around. Did anything, do you have any stories about this road trip? Any craziness happen? Oh, my God. <laughs> Give me a story. I mean, oh, man. Oh, man. This is like really, I feel like, do you feel, how old are you? Can I ask you that? Um, no, you can't. You can't ask me questions. Okay, are you, are you 30 or older? I'm old. Old as fuck. Okay, cool. But like, so do you feel like your early 20s, you just kind of block a lot out? I feel that way. I mean, (laughs) what you were going through in your 20s, I was probably going through when I was like 16. Okay. I'm an old soul. So I went through a lot of shit that normal people go through when they're old. I went through that. When you were younger. Yeah. For sure. I understand what you're saying though. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, I have like... A lot of story, none really that I want to share really come to mind. I did stay, I will say the coolest place that I stayed, the two coolest places I stayed, one was on a sailboat 
in Texas mm-hmm. with this uh, this couple that I met randomly in Austin. They invited me down to right, stay right, there. Right, wait, 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 wait. Let me stop you right there. What? <laughs> Is this uh, going to turn into like a no. threesome? No, okay. no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. I, I felt that that was where it was going. No, I would not. Even even if it was, right. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> All, right, yeah. All right, continue. Yeah, so <laughs> went on the sailboat. Very platonic uh, PG experience. Uh, we fished. We ate. We chilled. Uh-huh. We drank. We went to bed. This is in, in Texas? separate places in Texas. <laughs> I feel like you're like hiding something. I'm not hiding. No, okay. not. How no. did you meet this couple? Um, I met them through, um, a friend of mine in Austin. So are you just like, oh, I need to be on a boat. Does anyone know anybody? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, they were just kind of like, I didn't really have a plan for where I wanted to go next. And I had like been in Austin for like a week or so, and I was kind of ready to move on. And, um, they were like, well, we're going down to our boat. It was, I want to say it was 4th of July mm-hmm. and it sounded cool. And so it was just like this super tiny marina. I don't even remember the town, but it was like, there was probably only a couple thousand people in this town. It was like super tiny. Okay. And um, they were- Austin is the place to be. What's that? I said, I heard Austin, Texas is like the place to be. Austin was- Nothing but partying and shit. Yeah. I was definitely partying a lot back then. Mm. It was fun. I had a friend who like worked, like was like worked in the music scene as like a promoter, and like so I was. In How good old were you when you were doing this? Twenty three. Twenty three. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you guys went fishing and blah blah blah. So what's what's the moral of this story? What happened? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It was just cool to sleep on a sailboat like randomly that's the story out of your whole five month yeah. road trip okay, that's the I'll story give you, you a better tell one me? i'll give you a better one okay yes, so this so do. the other second cool place that i say was in detroit and so i want to hear some crazy shit okay so like i met this guy in new york his name he was from israel he was also like hitchhiking through the u.s right. he was like probably 300 pounds his like feet were like the size of your laptop he had like a shaved head and then like five dreadlocks coming out of the back of his head and like everyone called him Versace and he was traveling and I met him like randomly at a bar and he was super cool and he was like, he yeah, was I'm hitchhiking. On- yeah, well he was kind of hitchhiking. Yeah. He like was a, a music 300 pound guy walking yes. down the street. Yes. Yeah. He was super wow. cool and he had a couch surfing profile and we met and he was like, yeah, I'm on couchsurfing.com and I'm trying to find a ride to Montana. That's like my goal is to get to Montana. And I was like, oh, and I was like, well, I'm on couch surfing too. And I'm like using it for this trip. Mm. And so I was like, send me a request on there and like we can road trip together to Montana. And my from New York? From New York. Wait a minute, wait a minute, let me stop you. Let me stop you. Yeah. <laughs> so you met a fat ass dude who was three hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who was who was also his feet I, mean, yes. I have a MacBook Pro, by the way. I have the biggest. So his feet was big as shit. Yeah. And you were in the Volvo, Volvo station wagon? Yeah. And you drove from New York all the way to Man- Montana with him? Mm-hmm. So you know fat people, are, are, they stink. 
<laughs> and this is also like the middle of summer too damn and yeah obviously you had to like spin overnights and overnights and shit right yeah well we found places to stay on couchsurfing.com and i had like a few friends along the way too all right continue your story from when you were, were before i stopped right, okay on. so it was me versace and then i randomly ran into another friend named fabian mm-hmm. that i know from living in oakland mm-hmm. um we were both like kind of ran in the same crowd of people he was also traveling like he didn't have a car he was just kind of like going wherever the wind took him mm-hmm. and um so me and he wanted to go to detroit and had friends that he knew there to stay with and so i was like cool I'm down. Let's all. So we were like the three musketeers for like three weeks. Mm. And we went to Detroit and we stayed in this house <clears throat> that was um, in, it was this really cool place because uh, it was called Moran street. And in 2008 juxtapose magazine, like bought this whole, if anyone doesn't know, like Detroit is super, um, abandoned like yeah we i mean everyone learned that from watching eight mile yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so imagine eight mile yeah Mm -hmm. so this magazine like a long time ago bought up like this whole city block what was the name of the magazine juxtapose just suppose juxtapose okay yeah they um so yeah they bought like all these houses and they basically contacted all these artists and we're like, they were just like super shitty, like gutted, abandoned houses. And they were like, make these in a really like, you know, crappy neighborhood mm. that like had barely anyone living in it. Mm. And so they were like, um, take these houses, make them walk through art spaces. <clears throat> and we'll try and like bring some life to like this part of town. Yeah. And so all these artists did that. And one of them, um, this guy Harrison, he... Um, he asked if he could make, they, they all did it. It was like all these graffiti artists and street artists. And then one of them, this guy Harrison asked if he could make the space livable and just live there. And so they, I guess said, sure. And so that's who we stayed with was this guy. Mm -hmm. And so it was this street where like all these, there was probably 10 houses on the block that were just like super crazy looking, like all, you know, like graffitied, like murals, um, like super famous artists from all over the world would like come and like paint the outside of these houses and like do installations. And it was just like, when I stayed in this house, there was probably like 30 other people staying on the block who were like traveling just like I was. And so it was just this really cool experience. And, um, yeah, I just had a lot at that time I was like doing a lot of like painting like outdoor public <laughs> painting of my own. Sounds <laughs> called that. And so uh I just had met it was a great opportunity to meet people who showed me really cool abandoned places to paint. Okay. Yeah. How long did you stay in Detroit? I was there for like two weeks. And then from Detroit, you guys went to Montana? Montana, and then Fabian stayed in Detroit, so we said bye to Fabian. And then um, uh, Versace, we went to Montana. I dropped him off at Yellowstone, outside of Yellowstone with a sign that said Yellowstone that I had to write for him because <laughs> he barely spoke English. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I dropped him off at a gas station and like, 
I don't. I think we. Do talked. you ever know? Do you do you ever know what happened to to Versace? Versace? I did talked, he make it to Montana? He well, he made it. To, he made it to Montana because I I got him to Montana. But he he made it to Yellowstone. I talked to him once after when he was back in Tel Aviv, Israel, and he said he was back. He was a music teacher for um, kids with autism there, and he said he was back working. Mm. Um, but I have no idea where that dude is. I don't know. He's probably like playing Al Green, like in some bar in Tel Aviv, Israel. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you lived a life, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Have you always been like a free spirit? I guess so. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you don't like staying in one place for too long, huh? Well, I've been here for. I mean, I've bounced around a little bit, but like the Bay has always been kind of home base. Do you think you're going to be in the Bay? If I ask you, where do you see yourself uh, for the next five years? you think you're going to be in the Bay Area? That's really hard. I don't know. I mean, I just got this. It's hard to come from a place of like, of like <laughs> housing crisis, but like the housing crisis is real. And I just mm-hmm. got a really sweet place that is affordable. Yeah. And like, I just never want to let go of it. But if I if the housing crisis was not in my mind, I would like to live somewhere different. Where would you want to live? If COVID-19 was not present as well as the housing crisis, <laughs> I would say <laughs> um, maybe New York. Maybe New York. Always kind of wanted to stay in New York. Mm. Or um, L.A. I like L.A. I would live there for a couple years and try it out. How come you didn't stay in New York when you were like road tripping? When you stopped there? Well, I stayed there for, I had a friend, the friend that I was staying with there had like an attic that it was really cool. She lived in like a live work loft that she shared with a bunch of people. Mm. And they had this weird attic that opened up to the roof and they had like a little guest bed in there. And that's where I stayed for like, I think like two or three weeks. Mm. Um, what part of New York was this? Uh, Grand off the L in uh, Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Brooklyn is is changing. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I guess I went back to New York a few years ago for just a couple days, but um, yeah, I went to New York when I was sixteen for like a summer for like a photo program, and um, that was kind of when my like love for New York started. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like all of the cities are changing rapidly over the last. Yeah. You know. Are your parents still in the Bay Area? My parents, well, my parents lived in Southern California, where I'm oh, from. Oh, Southern, yeah, that's right. But they moved to Truckee, which is like by Tahoe, mm-hmm. like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, my dad works at a ski shop. He's like always been worked in the ski industry. And my mom's a hairdresser. You have siblings? One sibling. She's, uh, her name's Tara. She's five years Four and a half. She's four and a half years younger than me. I can't stand what people say a half. I can't either, but Where I know. Where does the half come from? <laughs> I know. It comes from a lot of angst of being uh, younger, older siblings. Yeah, she's four. <laughs> Where's four and a half? Like, I mean, what? what's the definition of the half that you can, like, I don't understand that. Shit. I don't know either. I always went by just the grade, and I was five grades older than her. So in my book, I'm five years older than Where her. Where is she? She's in Truckee, too. Oh, Truckee. Yeah. You guys get along? Better than we used to. <laughs> <laughs> you never thought about living in Truckee? 
Mm, if I moved somewhere rural, it would probably not be Truckee. It would probably be like Nevada City. Your business, you can like basically do it anywhere, right? Yeah. yeah that's, that's the good thing about it. That's the idea. Have you ever worked or designed a piece of jewelry for anyone who is famous? Uh, No. I'm like trying to think of if there was anyone at my old job that like, I don't think anyone famous. Um, there was like a really well-known like tech person that like got a ring that I made um, under Mark my old boss. Zuckerberg? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Not that big. But um, I guess that's like the only like celebrity by Bay Area standards, which isn't that cool. <laughs> I don't even think he's cool, but I mean, he's just known. Yeah. All right. So uh, is making jewelry your first passion? Like you're, yeah, it's kind of funny because I was just having this conversation with my partner the other day about like that making jewelry, like to start my business, I've just put 100% of all of my efforts, like every single minute, mm -hmm. like into doing this and in the hopes that it'll work and I will never have any regrets about not working hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in doing that, I feel like. I haven't made enough time for like things that I love to do. Like I could be like doing things like backpacking and like photography. Like I was really into film photography for a very long time and I kind of like haven't been practicing that. Yeah. You should, you should get back into that. Yeah. I don't know why I said that, but I mean, I just get that vibe. You should get back into photography. Yeah. I do a lot of photography, but it's all like for my business, which mm -hmm. is not, I used to do a lot of like street photography and like um, I used to photograph a lot of graffiti back in the day, which is why I have been in this building before. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do you have like a Pinterest account? <sighs> I do. <laughs> I do. It? I only use it for marketing purposes for my business because there's hella girls on Pinterest, dude. I like, I spend. What does that mean? Well, like they, it's like it's like bitches people, is hating and shit. They what? I said bitches is hating and shit. <laughs> well, like they just like a lot of people use Pinterest, like just like you and I use Instagram. You know, it's like their main like social media platform. Yeah. Which like I don't yeah, relate I don't to at all. I don't either, dude. I don't either. <laughs> but I just like post stuff on it and like hope that it's working. I don't know. I always thought Pinterest is like for people who were like trying to like. Oh, I have a pair of jeans to sell. Oh really? Take a picture of these jeans and stuff. <laughs> I always like picture like like blonde like girls in like Michigan sharing recipes. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what I think of when I think of Pinterest. Blonde girls in Michigan. <laughs> Alright. <coughs> so you uh <coughs> sorry. What else uh should someone know about the jewelry business? What's the hardest thing about uh, doing what you do? Um, like honestly, bookkeeping. Mm -hmm. I'm not like great at it, and it it stresses me out. I've had to do a lot of it recently to like be able to apply for grants and unemployment and like provide um, like records and stuff. Yeah, and get caught up and up to date, and that's been really hard. Have you applied for the little small business loans? 
Yeah. I haven't applied for loans because I'm going to be real with you. I have a little bit of debt from my startup. I mean, it could be used as a grant if you just say you're using it for like to pay. Uh, I mean, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're like the only employee. You're like a sole yeah. proprietor. I'm a sole proprietor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like you for the grant that I could apply for, I would have to use 75% of it for a payroll service, which I don't pay, I don't really pay myself. Like I take a draw. But I'm not like on an hourly, like, you know. I think there's ways to wiggle around that. I don't know. I'm trying to get unemployment. I like finally was able to apply uh, this week because they kind of expanded the qualifications for people like me. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's proving to be complicated because I have side gigs. Yeah. Um, And so those, the way that the system is set up, those are recognized first before my self-employment which is the bulk of my income so it's Mm -hmm. like i have to dispute it and like i'm just like it's gonna be a while till i get some money so i'm having a sale (laughs) (laughs) so you're saying the coronavirus has like hit you yeah oh yeah i mean i still am making there's like a few different avenue or like um parts of my income for my business it's like um my online sales through my website mm-hmm. of my line of my collection of jewelry, um, custom, um, stores that carry my line. I have like eight or nine retailers all over the States and, um, markets like West coast craft or renegade. Mm-hmm. So um, half of those four things are like not operable right now. Stores are closed and public yeah. events are canceled. So I'm like, I still have online and custom coming in. I'm actually getting like a lot of guys who are like coming out of the woodwork and proposing during quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) They're like coming to me with like old, like old family jewelry. And they're like, all right, I think it's time. I've been following you for a while. Like, I'm just like, all right, shit's hitting the fan and everyone's like proposing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. That's kind of weird. I, I heard like the opposite motherfuckers, like domestic violence is on the rise. And shit. I've heard that too. I've heard that too. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, it's, it's funny how people are like, oh, I, I've never, like, I read an article about Will Smith and Jada Pickett, mm-hmm. and she was like, I'm just learning who Will Smith is. And they've been married for like, <laughs> 20 plus years like that's you didn't know who this motherfucker was for 20 years and then now that you guys got to be in the house for like a month together (laughs) you're finally realizing who your husband is or people are like oh my kids uh, i i can't be around my okay yeah everyone's going crazy because they have to be around their fucking kids yeah well everyone's used to like fucking kids minimal contact exactly I know. I feel, honestly, I feel really lucky to live alone right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the best. If yeah. you can afford it, that's definitely what you should do. Mm-hmm. So what uh, what uh, retail places carry your 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 stuff? Um, Crown Nine, which is where I used to work in Old Oakland. Um, Marissa Mason in Temescal Alley. Love and Lux in San Francisco. Those are my Bay Area uh, people. And then um, these people, do you have to pay them to carry it or do they like buy a bunch of your shit and then carry it? How does that work? So it's a mix. So like there's consignment and wholesale. So Mm -hmm. like wholesale, people are buying it for like, like the markup for a piece is like 2.2. So like my wholesale price 
they'll like buy like a minimum of whatever, like, you know, for my, for a wholesale order. Mm -hmm. And since they're buying so much at once, then they can buy it at like a pretty steep discount and then they sell it and they have like incentive to sell it because it's like, they want to make money on it. When they, when they buy it, can they put, uh, the price that they want? Yeah. But like generally like my wholesale price is like the way that it is so that it can be times by 2.2 to be like their retail price. So they're making like more than I am on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then consignment, everyone's kind of different with consignment with how their split is, but that is kind of how I've had to get started is having consignment accounts. And that means I'm just choosing jewelry, um, and giving it to a store and hoping that they're going to do it justice and sell it, which good accounts do. Um, You get like a little percentage of it. You get, well, some people will do like 50, 50, some will do 60, 40. Like I get 60, they get 40. Some Mm -hmm. do 55, 45. It's like kind of varies with each account. Mm -hmm. Um, I try and push people to do like 50, 50 at least. Do you have to just trust that they'll be, like if they sell it, do you just have to trust? Be like, oh, they'll reach back out to you and be like, oh, we sold your necklace. Yeah, and good retailers honestly will check in with me every month. Okay, and like be like, I pay, I send checks out on the tenth. Like this is what you sold. I have, I've been really lucky. I've heard horror stories, but I've had pretty yeah. like solid retailers so far. Okay, nice. Well, hopefully, uh, things will start looking up because. Um, I mean, California is supposed to open up, right? On Friday? I guess, like a, like it's like phase two. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be weird. Yeah. My friend told me there was like wall to wall traffic on the Bay Bridge today coming home from her job. So I feel like that's a sign (laughs) (laughs) of what's to come. (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna be back to the bullshit. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait for that. Seriously. Um, so this is the point where you can like, or the point of the interview where you can basically plug myself. I mean, you can plug yourself, (laughs) you can plug what you're working on, uh, whatever you want to give a shout out to. Cool. Um, yeah, Yeah, you you have to tell the people who, how they can find you, like where they can buy your shit and right. Yeah. Um, so anyone can find me online. My Instagram is Aaron Cuff Jewelry. Um, jewelry spelled J E W E L R Y. <laughs> There's a lot of different ways to spell jewelry. <laughs> and then my website is AaronCuffJewelry.com. Um, and you can find any stores, um, if you want to try stuff on in person that carry my stuff on my stockist page. And if you're interested in custom, Visit the custom page on my website and drop me a line with your idea. So you can basically make anything. Mm-hmm. Anything. So I come to you and say, I want a ring that looks like a, a bulldog. You can do that? I could totally do that. But I don't really do repairs. No. <laughs> Only sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? If you fuck something up, you won't fix it? Oh, no. I repair anything that I make. But uh, just a lot of people come to so me. So when you sell it and it breaks, you can't. Oh, I can fix that. Absolutely. Okay. But a lot of people will bring like a ring that they bought on the boardwalk in Venice Beach 15 years ago that mm. they ran over with a car and they asked me to fix it. And I'm like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron, thanks for coming on Everyday Celebrity. Thanks for podcast. having me. Um, if you're out there listening to this, 
And if you want jewelry, if you're thinking about proposing <laughs> to your significant other during these troubling times, <laughs> my suggestion is you wait until everything opens up. So, <laughs> but if you just feel like you have to, you know what I'm saying? Please go to Aaron Cuff Jewelry <laughs> and talk to her and get a fucking engagement ring. <laughs> Or if you just wanted like a jewelry, like anything, yeah, just go to Aaron Cuff Jewelry. Uh, support this girl; she's very, very, very talented, and she's in the Bay Area. So support your local small business people. Yes. So yeah, this is Everyday Celebrity. Thanks, Aaron, for coming on. Any last words? Uh, no. Thanks for having me. This is super cool. All right. And shout out. You want to shout out to Aaron for uh, giving me your link. Shout out what? Aaron. The other Aaron. The other. Oh, yeah. Aaron. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's so awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Um, yeah. She. I think her Instagram for her jewelry, she makes amazing jewelry. And her Instagram is We Are The Rouge. So, yeah. She makes some cool, funky hoop earrings. Nice. Have you guys ever collaborated? We haven't. I actually don't even know her that well. But we've been in each other's orbit for, like, years now. And Have you ever met this girl? I've met her, yeah. Oh, I awesome. see her around town a lot, but like, and we just have this kind of like unspoken friendship, mm -hmm. but like, we don't know, we, truth be told, we don't know each other that well. Okay, well. Yeah. That's your homework for tonight. Yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this is Everyday Celebrity. Thanks, Aaron, again. Uh, and we are out. You. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.